Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, the new money podcast, episode 68, and a very special one indeed. How y'all doing, man? Hoping you guys are enjoying your weekend. As always, my friends, ask me any question you guys have on Instagram, as well as if you're listening on Apple Podcast. Please, oh please, 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 please leave me a little bit of a review. I read every single one. I appreciate every single one more than you know. Um, so uh, go leave a review if you enjoy anything that I said. I'd, I'd really appreciate that, guys. Now, guys, you know I'm always talking about planning and investing in yourselves and in your future. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, I don't need to preach it. Y'all hear me all the time talking about how important investing is. You know, we are such big fans of the stock market here at the New Money Podcast, but I can talk all day long. You can listen to me all day long. I could talk to John Blue in the face. But if you guys aren't out there taking the action, doing it every single week or every month or however, uh, whatever cadence you're in, if you're not out there doing it, it doesn't matter, right? So you gotta go out and take action. You have to take the action today. And I promise you guys that Well Simple Trade or Well Simple Invest, either one, are some of the best platforms in the game to help take your wealth to the next level. Well Simple Trade is a commission-free platform where you can buy stocks and ETFs free of charge. Whereas Well Simple Invest is a robo advisor where they do all the work for you. You just have to put the money in. So guys, check out the show notes for links to either one. I really do recommend them. I love the platforms. Do your own research. Look into it. Um, but I really think they can help you guys really build that wealth for yourself. Also, guys, want to give a quick shout out to Grit Labs, which is a group fitness boot camp style training in Burlington, Ontario. Unfortunately, everything's online now, but it's actually lit. You can do it from home. So it's not really that unfortunate. It's pretty sick. And they're actually doing free trials. And if you sign up for it, we'll do the class together. It'd be really dope. So we're working out. We're grinding. It'll, it'll be really, really fun. Uh, so go to my link in the bio Go sign up for their free trial. Let's get a workout in. Let's hang out, whatever. You know, we talk money after the call, whatever you want. Uh, so, so go check it out, guys. I really love what they're doing, and I really do support them. Okay, so last week, I actually had the chance to interview Scott Trench, who is the CEO of Bigger Pockets. There aren't many brands on earth that I'm a bigger fan of. Like, well, Simple's up there. Bigger Pockets is, is definitely up there. I absolutely love everything they do. They are a real estate investing platform online, one of the biggest in the world, if not the biggest. They have a real estate investing podcast that gets a quarter of a million downloads every single episode. They've got a phenomenal presence on YouTube, a phenomenal presence online. They're a, a very well put together, well run business, and they've really done amazing things to bring real estate investors, all kinds of money oriented people together and and just such a big fan of, of his company. And so to, to get the chance to talk to him, to sit down with him was truly an honor. I'm so glad he agreed to do it. So guys, I, I mean, this interview means a ton to me and I'd really love if you guys would check it out because I think he had incredible insight and I walked away questioning several things in my life in, a, in the most healthy way possible uh, because he brought that much to the interview. So guys, sit back, relax, drive, throw it in cruise control, whatever it is, and enjoy this interview with Scott Trench of Bigger Pockets. Scott, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks for inviting me here, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 such a pleasure uh, to have you on. It's it's going to be great. I just learned a little bit more about you. I've been listening to all kinds of Bigger Pockets content for years now, and it's it's just so inspiring to actually speak with somebody who's you know really really behind the scenes running running the show, so to speak. So really quick, like just just kind of tell you know for people who don't maybe aren't familiar with Bigger Pockets, maybe aren't familiar with you, just a, a quick Coles notes of your life and 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 Bigger Pockets, and and we can kind of just go from there. 
Yeah, sure. So I, I think my story, well, as far as folks listening might be interested in, is begins you know after graduating college. So I, I had an internship my between my junior and senior year at a, a large corporation in Denver, Colorado. Got offered a job there and began my career in August of 2013 at this large Fortune 500 company as a financial analyst. And I quickly, within about three months, became disillusioned with the traditional career path. The idea of going from associate financial analyst to financial analyst one to financial analyst two to senior financial analyst to direct you know, manager of finance, senior manager of finance, director of finance, senior vice president of finance, CFO, and that being the best possible outcome of my career. That was not very exciting for me. And I felt like I wasn't being rewarded for the uh, tremendous amount, I would say, of extra effort I was willing to put in. That was, mm-hmm. There was no outlet for that amount of energy and working to become a better financial analyst and just learn and, and trying to find an outlet for that energy, I discovered the concept of financial freedom, uh, the financial independence movement, FIRE. And I quickly became obsessed, I would say, with two sources of the information in particular. One was a blog called Mr. Money Mustache, one of the godfathers of this uh, FIRE yeah. movement. And then I uh, also became completely obsessed with a little website called Bigger Pockets. And the idea behind Mr. Money Mustache was that if you could just be a badass and save money by taking control of really the the, the key expenses in your life, you know, um, not eating out ridiculously, making most of your, your food, uh, bicycling to work is a big staple of that, moving your work close to home by getting a new job or moving your home close to work so you can bike or walk. And so I became really excited about that. But I also felt that the approach being promoted mostly by Mr. Money Mustache and some of the other folks that were in that community at the time was really, okay, save that money and then invest in index funds. And if you save 50% of your income, you'll be retired in 15 years. Well, great, mm-hmm. but how can I get there much faster? And that's where I began to pipe in the bigger pockets real estate component to this mindset and say, if I not only am very frugal, but I also invest in real estate, I can become financially free way faster than 15 years, who knows, maybe even three to five years. That first year, you know, I, I started my career in August. By January, I was completely obsessed with these two sources. By June, I left my job at the company and, and joined Bigger Pockets as a startup. I took a small pay cut and, you know, joined this tiny little company as the third employee, a little bit of a risk at that point. And then I also closely around that time, probably a month or two later, went under contract for my first house hack which I think was a really powerful combination because I was saving all this money by being really frugal and biking to work and all that kind of stuff. And that allowed me to save about 20 grand in that first year. And at the close of 2014, I was sitting in a position where I had this new job at this exciting startup company. And I had this little dumpy duplex in Northeast Denver. It was literally 700 square feet, flat roof, tiny little structure, not very pretty yard, dead tree in the middle that I never, you know. But I, I was able to rent out the other unit and then rent half of the unit to my roommate and future business partner. And that was enabled me to live for free, close to it right. uh, with that first investment. So I'm sitting at the end of the year, basically spending no money. I, I live for free. I'm biking to work. You know, I, I, I do have a car as well. So I guess I, I have some transportation expense. But And I'm mostly making my own lunches and that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm probably spending 1500 to 2000 a month at most on my lifestyle during that period. And so my savings rate begins to balloon. And over the next, mm. that, that's the big inflection point over the next three, four, five, six, I guess it's now been seven years that I've been here at Bigger Pockets. I was able to really balloon my net worth because my income increased. I was able to sell more for the company and get commissions on that. I eventually became the CEO of the company. 
I bought more real estate. Denver has done really well from a real estate perspective. I dumped a lot of money into index funds. I had a high savings rate. And so that enabled me to build a, a very large net worth by the time I hit 30 late in 2020. That's incredible, man. Okay. So I <laughs> so many so many things I want to ask, but just really quickly. So you said that you know you were kind of going through that that corporate sort of ladder and you're going through it and you're thinking this, I don't know about all this kind of stuff. Have you always had sort of an entrepreneurial itch or like like a startup sort of itch? Or was that something that you kind of found as you were more curious and you kind of were like, okay, well, what's this? What's this? And then you you got a taste of it and you're like, okay, I'm going, this is where I belong. I'd say no. I'd say um, I, I'm always a program guy. You know, I, I, I'm that guy who, you know, I played a couple sports in high school and been a part of a, a various number of programs. I, I buy into the program. I try to, I do exactly what the coach or the boss says. I do it to the best of my ability. It, it was funny. I used to wrestle in high school and people said it was kind of like a video game because I'd be wrestling and then my coach would be like, do this. And I do that right like instantly. And, and so I would say I've really been like a, a program guy or, or, or a, a follower, a very loyal and dedicated. And, and I, I, you know, I like to think smart and, you know, able, capable, but like I would just kind of do exactly what was to the best of my ability for those things. And so at bigger pockets, no, I was not the entrepreneur. It was it, Josh Dorkin founded the business. It was his right. vision. It, you know, I, I bought into it. I was, a, I'm, I am and was a personal believer in him and his vision. And I followed it and did everything I could to the best of my ability to support his vision and be loyal to the company, his personal financial position as the owner of the company and my fiduciary mm -hmm. capability. And I just did whatever it took to follow and support his vision while on my own, of course, building my personal net worth in a disciplined way, because I, I value my freedom very highly, you know, not being dependent on wage income. But I would say the entrepreneur stuff is coming now. Mm -hmm. I'm learning it now. And it's, it's tough. And it's fun. And it's exciting. But I, I would not say I was I've always had this entrepreneurial bent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, it's interesting you say that, because, you know, I feel like you, you kind of hit that inflection point where it was kind of like, it, things probably just completely, you know, switched for you, right. And And so take me through your sort of mindset evolution in terms of like, you know, having so much structure in your life, having that sort of like going through a big company, okay, I'm going to do this and da, 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 and you're kind of going through the motion, so to speak. How did your mindset evolve from like, maybe that to being like financial freedoms possible? Like, was it just the content that you were taking in? Or was it just like a gut feeling that you were like, this just doesn't feel right? Yeah, I think it's a good question, and I, and I think it's like one that bugs a lot of people in the finance movement, the, the personal finance or into financial dependence movement, because you're like, dude, why is everyone else not doing this? Like, why why would you live your life that way? Why would you drive that car when you're going to be working for 35 years and you could be you could be done at five to ten if you just made a couple of decisions, like where you rest your head at night and what you drive, and maybe like what you eat on a day to day basis, like for your boring meals you're there, you're at 50% savings rate, you're gonna be rich. So I would say like, the crime is that not everybody is aware of the rules of this game. They don't even they're not even considering it as a possibility. And so it's super difficult for you as like a 23 year old to convince other people like, dude, you should be living your life this way, because that will make a huge difference in your overall net worth, you know, down down the line and freedom capabilities. So I would say it didn't hit me immediately, but I was very fortunate to discover it three months in and have it reinforced several times in a row where I was like, this is completely correct. This is the right way to build my financial position. And mm -hmm. I have to orient my lifestyle to support that. So when did it hit me? It hit me at some point in that first three to four months on the job 
across probably a couple of different podcasts and the Mr. Money Mustache blog and the Bigger Pockets podcast and, and business model. Right. And it was just like, boom, like, it's like, I feel like everybody sort of has that that moment. It might be one or two, but I feel like there's just kind of a day where you're just like, Jesus, like, <laughs> I wish I could like remember the specific moment now because it was like, there was one, I just, it was somewhere yeah. in that period. Uh, the closest I can get to that is I was sitting in a chair and I was talking to a couple of the other financial analysts I work with. And I was, and I was like talking about wealth building and all this stuff. And like the guy comes to me and, and is a, 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 now a friend and he said to me, keep talking about getting rich. You're just not going to get rich sitting in that chair right there. And so that was a big moment for me because I was like, he's right. That whole trajectory I just outlined for you, senior, you know, financial analyst, one, two, three, senior, fi- you know, you're not. And that was important to me. It wasn't necessarily to get rich. It was to take control of my time away from the manager. You know, I, I had no problem with my manager specifically, but the fact that that person kind of had that amount of control over my life was an unacceptable reality for me. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. So with Bigger Pockets, obviously, you guys have a ton of awesome, awesome podcasts. And one that you're the host of Bigger Pockets Money, fantastic. And you guys talk a lot about financial freedom and debt management and, you know, just really just elevating your mindset and trying to take it to the next level. So you guys should definitely check out Scott's podcast. But on average, how have you seen that podcast influence people's mindset in terms of like, thinking in a different way in terms of saving more. This isn't how it needs to be. You can actually like do this, this and that. Like how have you seen that impact uh, other people? And then maybe even like any suggestions you have for me, like in terms of like having that message land. Yeah. So, you know, I I think the reason Mindy and I started that podcast uh, a few years ago was because we, we feel that real estate investing is a really powerful wealth building tool as part of the bigger pockets world. But a lot of folks want to invest in real estate from a position that we feel is an irresponsible one to begin investing in real estate. But we, you know, real estate investing typically will involve the assumption of tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. It should come with a reasonably strong cash position or, ex- or access to credit. And we feel like investing with no and low money down is a great move for potentially someone like me currently, where I have a large net worth and other assets that I could reposition to deploy should things come to a head and no money down investment might be a way for me to maximize returns. But it's really not an appropriate way for someone with terrible credit and no ability to save on a monthly basis because it can just compound the negative problems that are contributing to that weak financial position rather than Mm -hmm. accelerate them. Each investment you should make should have the potential to improve your financial position, but your position should never depend on a large next investment like one in real estate. Uh, it should always be something that you're layering in on top to make your position stronger and stronger incrementally over time, according to me. The Money Podcast is basically this designed to help people build a strong financial position and move towards a position where they're capable of regularly making large investments, be it in real estate, stocks, a bit starting a business, whatever. And so to do that, you know, what we do is we interview people from diverse backgrounds, diverse both in the person and in the situation, you know, single people, people from different backgrounds, people married with kids. And we just try to figure out like, what's their money story? How did they go from wherever they were to wherever they are today in that process of moving towards FI? And how do we do it in like a non-judgmental way? And so I think that that's kind of the key is I think there's a lot of shows out there that are 
really aggressive or very dogmatic about a specific approach. And that's what we try to do differently. And so what you asked the question was, what are some of the stories? I mean, we hear these incredible stories in our Facebook group about folks who are like, oh, I paid off $80,000 in debt today and got to zero for the first time in my adult life. We hear stories about folks who I've gotten their first rental property or first house hack all the time. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. We hear all these different stories. And sometimes we have guests back after we've talked to them a year or two ago. Here about the next one. Like, for example, we had Go Budget Girl, and she was able to pay off $30,000 in debt on a $30,000 a year salary over the course of two or three years. And now she lives in half a duplex. And so, you know, at some point, we'll we'll actually going to bring her back on the podcast and talk about that, assuming she's willing, of course. But, you know, those are some of the success stories that we've had over the years. That's amazing. And you know what? I actually, I follow Go Budget Girl. Like she's, she's awesome. She's got uh, a great platform. I love her. uh, What is it? Her, her fashion line that she's, she got, she did uh, like a financial independence. She had like a pyramid. I think that was hers. It was like the super dope, like loved it. So yeah, like I love her content and uh, it's, it's super great that you guys built such a, a great community and, you know, to kind of speak on the dogmatic thing of other shows. Like I think that when I first got into personal finance and things like that, it was amazing. And again, it was it was that thought of like, why isn't everybody doing this? But I think that breeds, if, if taken to the extreme, it breeds a sort of superiority that's that's unproductive, right? Where you think that you're maybe somebody thinks they're better because they're they're more financially responsible. And I love that you said that it's not about who's better. If I'm better, you're better, whatever. We're like we're all the same. We're just trying to like help each other and like figure that out. Yeah, personal finance is personal period. <laughs> we say it all the time on the show. It's, it's, that's, that, that's the theme is, is it all depends on your personal situation. You know, we, we've interviewed a couple of folks and we had seven recent interviews that were all completely different. One guy mm-hmm. is a millionaire and is working a job that is paying him too little. That's his problem is his, the value of his time is more than his job. The value of his time in managing his assets or what he could be doing is way more valuable than the income he's earning from his job currently. What a unique problem. And it takes a while to get to that, right? But yeah. like who ha- who can figure that out? You know, if, if you don't have a kind of open-minded approach to this, we have another person who, another, another millionaire, completely frustrated, $215,000 a year in income and no freedom because all of the wealth is trapped in 401ks or the home equity. There's only 10,000 in cash in the bank and they spend 12,000 a month. So you have one less than one month of freedom when you have a situation like that. There's no one situation that people are coming from. There's no, you know, and, and these are two examples of millionaires with 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 interesting problems, right? You know, and, and there's no one right answer. And it takes a while to, and it depends on your goals. Like we had a guy the other day who was doing pretty well, and you have this wealth pattern that's they've got a pension that's really well set up. There's a lot of wealth in retirement accounts, but the guy is working like a dog. He's working crazy hours. And his mm-hmm. wife is frustrated and sees how frustrated that is. They have plenty of wealth. They're going to make it to retirement. What we decided on the show was maybe he needs to consider stop contributing to some of those retirement accounts because between the existing money in there and the pension, he's got plenty. And he needs to cut back the hours and build a little wealth outside of those areas because you know because that's the, that's the goal. The goal is to free up time in the short term. If the goal is to retire mm-hmm. with the maximum wealth in 10 years, no changes need to be made. But if the goal is to live life now, see your kids. So it's it's interesting to see like there's no right answer to any of these things. Personal finance is personal. It depends on the goals. There is no such thing as a perfect financial position. It's only progress, not perfection. So Right. Absolutely. From a from a point of relativity, couldn't agree more. 
So kind of shifting gears, I mean, it's 2021 now. How did you navigate running a company like Bigger Pockets, uh, you know, through such a crazy time? I mean, the real estate market, obviously, it, it, it's, it's been still, it's been fine. Like, honestly, it hasn't really, it's been booming in, other, in some areas, right? I, I'm not sure specific markets, but um, from what I understand, it, it hasn't really skipped much of a beat once it kind of adjusted to the more online stuff. So kind of take me through like how that whole year was running it and just navigating everything. Yeah, sure. So our, our business, we make money three ways. We have a subscription product that we sell. We have a we call it our pro membership. We have our, our content that we produce, like the podcast we just talked about, which has advertising. And so our, our advertising is a component of our revenue. And then we sell books. And so what happened in 2020 for us was our subscription business was, was really unaffected. We saw differences in traffic, like folks stopped listening to podcasts right when the coronavirus started and switch that over to video and social media. We saw differences in where people were interacting with our content and our brand, but we didn't really see a big drop off in aggregate interest in bigger pockets in real estate. What we saw was our, our book business, which you'd think would be recession resistant or catastrophe resistant. Well, Amazon stopped selling books and Barnes and Noble shut down, right? And, and started they, they prioritized essentials. So we saw a big dip in sales uh, as our books were no longer being sold in, in stores or via Amazon for a while. And then audiobook sales, similar to podcasts, were also hit. And our ebooks are much, they're much lower price or whatever. So we saw a big hit to our publishing revenue temporarily, which rebounded as the year went on. And then we, our advertising business, a lot of our advertisers, in spite of the fact that our traffic remained reasonably stable, got spooked, I think, and pulled back their advertising spend a little bit. So we saw one of those V-shaped recoveries that probably many businesses saw in the aftermath of the, the virus and uh, the first couple of months of the pandemic. Yeah, and I, that's that's really interesting. I think I'm, I'm really surprised to hear that because I, I, I assume that like you guys being very just online, uh, it's an online business. I thought you guys wouldn't have skipped. I thought your traffic would have went through the roof. I thought bigger pockets, you know, real estate investing podcasts would have shot up. Like that's so shocking to me. Yeah, I wouldn't say we had like major problems. And like, let's let's be real. Like, I, I can't give you the profitability specifically of the business, but I like to save fifty percent of what I earn, and I like to apply a similar philosophy to our business profitability. So, because that prevents having to make very weird decisions or very stressful decisions when that income is temporarily disrupted for any reason. But in general, we ended the year in a better position than I thought we would end the year in when I was planning the start of twenty twenty, which was a big surprise to me. That's awesome. And that's that's fantastic to hear. So, you know, kind of coming back to the personal finance stuff, when you guys talk to younger people, like I'm, I'm 23, or you talk to somebody that's my age, you know, what's your general investment philosophy for them? Like in terms of like, how should they look at investing? You know, it can be very overwhelming to look at index funds or single equities, like stocks, or look at real estate, or there's, there's so many different avenues you can take. So, Again, we talked about personal finance as personal, but what's your general sort of advice for young people looking to get started just building wealth? So I, I'm a little bit more ex extreme on this one, and, and I don't like I, I won't you know shove this down anyone's throat or anything. But my my opinion is that if you're thinking about money and, and you're serious about it and you want that financial freedom that we discussed, I would think about it in terms of what I call financial runway. Runway is the amount of time that you can survive without a paycheck. And I measured in months or years. So the amount of runway you have is directly proportional to two things, how much you spend and how much you have. So if I spend $10,000 a month and have $30,000 in my emergency fund, I have 
three months of financial runway. If I spend $2,000 a month and have $25,000 in cash, less cash, I have a year of runway, right? 12 months. So what I think the key is, I believe that a smart 23-year-old or someone in their early 20s who is aggressive with their finances is going to maximize their potential by focusing on that runway component, that ability to survive without the paycheck. And I actually would prioritize that runway or at least the first year of it over retirement accounts for someone who is really aggressive. That's what I did. I, I, feel, I feel like I got more advantage out of building my runway and applying that towards a house hack and towards confidence to move on to a startup, knowing that I wouldn't run out of cash anytime soon than I would have mm -hmm. if I took the extra little bit of 401k tax deferral uh, in, the, mm -hmm. in those early years. So that would be my focus is how do I build up that first amount of runway by cutting my expenses down, saving up money, and then making it reasonably accessible to me so I can make large decisions to bet on myself, whether that's a career move, entrepreneurship, a house hack, you know, whatever it is. From there, once your income begins to scale, then I'd go back to contributing to the retirement accounts. But as far as specific investment philosophy, I think it's about investing in for the long term when you are going to do that and in items that will produce cash flow and appreciate long term. So what I personally did is I said, okay, I'm going to direct half or I'm going to direct a large chunk of my savings towards index funds that I think will appreciate over the long run, the stock market. And just basically sit on them. I know I'm going to see volatility in the short run, but I'll see long-term gains you know, over my investing horizon, which could be 30, 50, 70 years if I live to be 100 at the time. right? And then I'm also going to invest in real estate, primarily getting started through house hacks. At the time, you know, the property I purchased, the duplex was $240,000. Coming up with a $60,000 or $20,000 down, 25% down payment was impractical to me at the time. It would have taken me several mm. years to get that much cash. So I liked house hacking because I could put down 5%, which was $12,000, a much more manageable amount of money to accumulate in a year or so. And so from there, it was like, hey, my, my investment philosophy was just going to be, I'm going to pour money into stocks, which is a diversified portfolio if I invest in index funds, and I'm going to buy a property every year or two. As time went on, other investment opportunities came up for me, the ability to create or purchase other assets. So my investment portfolio today includes as much as I could invest in this wonderful company that I, I work for at Bigger Pockets, so I actually yeah. have—I I would say I have more than half of my net worth invested in Bigger Pockets at this point. And then I continue to dump a cash into index funds on a regular basis, both after tax and in my retirement accounts. And I continue to buy uh, small residential real estate in the Denver area as well. My end state goal would be to have a portfolio wealth in private businesses like Bigger Pockets, wealth in index funds, wealth in real estate. I'm writing books, which is for me an income stream and an asset class, maybe not available to most or, or to everyone. I hope in addition to that, to branch out into small private business investments. I think that my skill set as a CEO might allow me to purchase small businesses locally one day and, 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 and you know, help train other CEOs to run them for me. Right. Absolutely. And, and one book you wrote was uh, Set for Life, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I got to read that. I was actually meaning to read that. But no, that's that's incredible. I love that diversified approach. And I think that that's a huge, the, what I love that you said was... Well, well, remember something here real quick. I was not, I've never been diversified, I would say in a real sense. I, I'm sort of diversified, but I put almost like I had put 
$10,000 into stocks, maybe, maybe by the time I bought my first house hack. And then I bought a $240,000 property, which is multiple times my income. I mean, that's, that's massive leverage in real estate to get started. Now, today, I'm, most of my net worth is in bigger pockets, right? Diversification is great at the end state, but it's not good, I don't think, in the accumulation phase. Because if you're going to try to build, if you're going to try to get wealthy quickly or take your shot, especially in your 20s, how can you do that with a diversified approach? You're guaranteeing yourself a 7% return. Sure, you can lose big if you're not, if you're not diversified and go big on, on the wrong asset. But I think, I think that at, at first, you have to be concentrated on, on the things that you think really have that potential and really focus maybe on it. Maybe it's on a business or a side hustle. Maybe it's in a house hack. Maybe it's in stocks and you're going to go there. And then at the end, you know, once you've built a position that's strong, that's when it's time to begin diversifying, I think. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I was more so speaking to your state now, not more so initially, but I think what I was going to say was, and that's, that's, that's put so well is that you can only stash away so much in a 401k or in Canada, like we're, I'm Canadian, like TFSA or an RSP, you can only do so much with taxable accounts, things like that. You have to maximize your income at some point and you have to bet on yourself. And I think for me, that's something that has been a recent evolution for me to realize like, wait, like if I start to maximize my income now or start a business now or start to really, really invest in myself and in, in what I'm trying to do and, and things like that, it, it's exponentially more than I could ever make with my investments, with things like that, it, it, you know, with index funds. They're incredible. They're fantastic. And I always talk about how important they are. But I think that betting on yourself, investing in yourself is, is so, so crucial. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's 100% right. And, and especially in those very early years, like if you're the kind of person who's just not going to save much, if it's not automated in your 401k, put the money in the 401k and let it sit for 35 years. And you're gonna be much better off than if you allow that into your bank account, and it will just flow through your account, like water or whatever, right. Mm -hmm. But if you're the kind of person who's really intentional about your finances, I think the way you're doing it is, is the move because that will allow you to bet on yourself, which could have way higher ROI. And there's never going to be a better opportunity than your early 20s, right? Mm -hmm. I just recently got married. I have a wonderful wife and I'm setting up for a wonderful life. But like I could not, I can, but I'm not going to spend every night until 10 p.m. in the office like I was for many nights of the week when I was single <laughs> and getting started on this and writing for the blog on bigger, like I would go to bigger pockets. My day would literally be I wake up in the morning, make myself breakfast, bike to work, sit there from eight to five working for the company and then spend the yeah. next four or five hours writing for the blog or contributing in the community. Cause I wasn't allowed to do that during my formal work hours. I don't know if I could sustain that work right now or would want to um, because it's a different stage in life. So I think, I think that if you, you know, it's a possible of course, but I just think that if you have that cash accessible to you and that motivation and you're learning and doing all those things, right. The exponential output of that is going to be way higher. Even if you can't see it right now, than this tax savings you're going to get in the first couple of years. No, 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 for sure. For sure. And I think, again, that's a, that's a, such a big thing with people in their early twenties, just trying to get started and trying to figure out what exactly they should do because, you know, and I saw this one thing the other day and I, it's, it's so true. It's like, you know, if you put a hundred bucks in an, an index fund, it'll get you like, you know, hopefully a good return. But if you go out and educate yourself and, and try to better yourself in some way, it could actually go a lot further because it could, you know, it could be the uh, catalyst for you doing something on a grand scale and, and it could just kind of start a, a, a positive chain of events. 
you know, all get rich saving a hundred bucks a month. You're going to get rich saving a thousand a month and then 2000 a month and then 5,000 a month. And in order to do that, you have to cut out your expenses and you have to earn some serious income. And that is what I think is that like, if you can focus on that in your twenties and, and get to that point where you're saving that, that large amount, then once you cross the hundred thousand or 500,000 or a million dollar net worth mark, if you can spend the rest of your life focusing on your investment returns, and that's going to be a higher dollar per hour activity than any job you could possibly work. Absolutely. So what do you say to young adults who are coming out of school and it's a tough landscape out there and it's, it's really hard out there. Things are just all up in the air. There's a ton of risk or perceived risk. I mean, it really depends on your perception of what risk is, but there's, there's a ton of like perceived things in front of people that may be turning them off or maybe like negatively impacting them. So what do you say to somebody that's like been applying for jobs? They keep getting shut down. They, they can't even fathom the thought of like saving like five, uh, 500, a thousand bucks or building a, a massive career in the future because of recent events. What, what do you, what do you guys usually say on the show to, to people in that sort of situation? Well, this is difficult because I will say I, I've never been in that position and I, my, I always start my diatribe, uh, whatever we want to call it on, on this <laughs> from the perspective of someone who's earning an immediate income and kind of getting started on the, on the journey with that. So if you're not even earning a median income yet, I think, I, I don't know exactly how well I can empathize with that position. I, I, I'm trying to, but I, I just haven't been there. So I don't want to be insensitive. But I think that the, if I'm trying to answer it, I would think cash flow positive has got to be the, the number one thing. And, and how do we get to cash flow positive? Can I drive for Uber or deliver Uber Eats? You know, can I pick up any type of work like TaskRabbit or whatever to stay cash flow positive while I'm searching for that job? And then can I cut expenses as well? You know, what, what can I do there? Is there unemployment available? through the, 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 the stimulus packages? Can I save my, my stimulus check for those types of things? What is anything and everything I can do to make sure that my cash position remains strong? And then if I'm really having trouble getting jobs after multiple interviews, how do I keep just working on my skill set? Maybe I'll just pick up a book on how to interview. I'll read it and I'll try to apply it and then I'll pick up another one and I'll pick up another one. And you know, if you read 50, if you go a year and you read 50 books, one a week, and are doing odd jobs, you know, every week, I would be surprised if at the end of that, you're still unable to get reasonably high paying work uh, mm-hmm. at the end of that, or, or, or have some sort of entrepreneurial spark, especially if you're able to maintain that positive cash flow. But that, that could be insensitive, I could be missing some things. So what's your reaction to that? And do you think I'm, I'm missing some of the, the dynamics of the current state for someone in that position? No, 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 I definitely think I definitely think you're right on it. I think you do have to have an empathetic point of view. You know, I have a lot of friends that are just, you know, looking for work or trying to figure it out and it's tough. And, and you know, I try my best to be encouraging. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm very lucky that I have full-time work. Like I'm building my career in a different way. And like, I, you know, I thank God every day, but I see that things aren't as good for other people as they might be for me or for you or for others. And I think that's the biggest thing is the small steps. And it's that, persistence and iteration right you just it, just small steps and persistent and just iterating and seeing does this work okay let me try this okay this didn't work but i like this and this actually worked and then just consistently doing that over time i think will yield like really really great results regardless of how young or old you are yeah and, and i think a part of it might also be like what game am i trying to play here you know am i am i trying to compete in a field that is like maybe i'm in the events business i know that that's got to be a tough market right now, right? There's so many different people that are out of work and every events related job's got to have a bajillion applicants for it, right? Mm-hmm. What's what's a game that's 
better to play, you know, especially from early in my career and haven't lost, haven't invested too much in it yet. Is there email marketing? You know, is there blog writing? Is there uh, technology or, or, or can I, can I just go and go back to bootcamp and learn how to code? Is there a gig economy thing? You know, what's out there that would be a better game to be played? And from my privileged position, relatively speaking, at the, at, in 2013, I'm sitting there like my financial analyst game is a bad one because I can't scale my income from 50,000 a year to much more than that quickly, right? That's a privileged outlook, but I think that that same thought process may apply to the current situation. Like, can I just shift industries here? How, how hard is it really to do that? Um, mm -hmm. What is a good environment for me or, or career path? Again, these are, these are kind of wild, maybe detached uh, items here for that, but I, I, I'm sure it's very difficult, but that, that's the best I can come up with on the spot. Absolutely. No, no, you gave fantastic answers, man. <laughs> no, the, no question at all. Last question, man. They ask this every show on, um, or some form of this on bigger pockets, the, the real estate investing podcast, but what would you say is the, is the one thing that's going to make somebody successful versus unsuccessful? I'll go back to goal setting. So I think, I think that if you have a clear vision of where you want to get to over a one, three, five, you pick the number of period and you set specific goals and then you work your way down from a year out to a quarter out to a week out to today. And you do that every single day, even if it's only for five minutes, if that's how far or, or 60 seconds, if that's how, if that's how little time you can devote to it can get to, uh, if you do that, I think it'd be very successful over time. Incredible. Okay. Well, Scott, man, that's all I have for you. It was such an honor to have you on the show. I really, 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 really appreciate your time. And, and thank you so much for coming on. Well, I really appreciate it, Nathan. This was fun. Really quick, just kind of plug the show. I know we talked about it earlier, but any anything else that you'd like to say or where people can find you? Yeah, you can find me. Um, maybe the best place would be Instagram at Scott underscore Trench, or you can always listen to our podcast at uh, Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. You can find it where, wherever podcasts are found or, or YouTube. So I'm also on Bigger Pockets. So lots of places to find me and uh, always like talking about this stuff if there's any questions. Okay, fantastic, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> So there you have it, my friends. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. What a great interview. So much to learn from it. I'm going to listen to it probably a hundred times over. Really great insight. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you again, Scott, for, for giving the time. I know you have a very busy schedule. So to, to carve out time and, and talk and even talking after the show was just such an honor. And, and uh, so thank you so much for coming on. I really did appreciate it. And I really am so glad that you guys listened to the episode through. Really quick reminder again, guys, let's get our wealth building journeys started. Well, simple trade, well, simple invest, fantastic platforms, easy peasy. Like it's just so straightforward, no frills, just go out, do it. It'll help you guys build so much wealth if you use them effectively, right? I mean, there's no guarantees, but they are one of the most conducive platforms and businesses out there that are changing the game, right? They're disrupting. So go check it out, link in bio. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have for you guys. Thank you so much. As always, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I think I fucked that up. <laughs> I usually say, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. But for now, I'm out this mother. Peace.